0: 15-yard penalty. It's still 17 to 12 at that time. What? what just your your thought on the response for the team that forced turnovers? I, the it's important because we're gonna. That's that's. It's the nature of our game, and then, the more you can condition yourself, to tune it out. Um, because look, the next time we can get one of those chains, you let me know. <laughs> you know, and so it's back to that battery life. Um, there were some fr- frustrating moments. Um, but that's. Um, That's that's the game. And um, we responded well. The winning train just keeps rolling through the Rocky Mountains. The Denver Broncos have a winning record. They are now six and five. They won their fifth game in a row. Longest winning streak in the NFL. The most recent came Sunday afternoon, 29 to 12 against the Cleveland Browns, who entered the game seven and three. Um, And here Denver is, man. Forty five days ago, this team was one and five written off by anybody who had watched them play, anybody who had just seen the numbers, anybody who knew the mathematical odds of a team starting one and five and having a chance to make that playoff run. Uh, Well, here they are. They they are ninth in the AFC playoff race, but they are tied with the Colts uh, record-wise, who are currently in that seventh-game spot. I'm Nick Cosmiter, beat reporter for the Denver Broncos. You're listening to Not Another Bucking Podcast. Uh, I'm joined tonight by producer Cos. Uh, for another late night uh, game breakdown edition and the way that I want to start this one matt is you know we have seen a lot in this leading up to this game in in the four wins for the Broncos they've done some some really good things in certain areas they've also struggled in certain areas where um you know you question the you know how much did the benefit that they got from the way the other team played sort of help them out today but the reality is that winning in the NFL requires you to happily accept whatever breaks come your way and then take advantage of them. But today in win number five in this streak, I thought was the Broncos probably most complete game of this streak. And they they displayed a resiliency, a toughness uh, in, in overcoming some things today that I think will really serve them well in in December playoff chasing type football games that are that are ahead for them. Um I think, I think that's my biggest takeaway, Matt. This was a team that was, you know, kind of grinding out, um, a lead. They, they led 14 to zero. Uh, but then Cleveland started to come back. It was 14 to 12, uh, in, in the fourth quarter Broncos at a field goal. Uh, and then up 17 to 12, they, they get a, what looks like a three and out. Uh, but Baron Browning is called for a, a roughing the passer penalty on third and 12 Browns extend that drive. And you're starting to think, man, is this kind of momentum going to get snatched away from them? Broncos get a turnover two plays later, which they've done this whole streak, three plays after that, Russell Wilson to Adam Troutman for a touchdown. And and that kind of the Broncos were off and running, Matt. And, and I just, I just think this was their most complete win of this streak.
1: Absolutely. And that, that Adam Troutman cat catching touchdown, which came after had to be challenged in order to get there was absolutely his best catch of the season. Um, another one of those Russell Wilson off-schedule plays where he throws it up with a hope and a prayer to the side of the side of the end zone, and his guy comes down with it—a um, phenomenal catch there. I don't want to don't want to miss that before I touch on some of the other stuff you talked about. Like, I do think that this team, this is another example though of this team being built to play so much better when they get an early lead. They jumped out to that 14-0 lead, and that meant that they were allowed. Not, not just allowed, but they were encouraged to continue running the ball, continue smashing the ball between the tackles, and have some of those kinds of off-schedule run plays from Russell Wilson and the, and kind of work the game plan that they wanted to and not feel like they have to be dropping back with Miles Garrett on obvious passing situations and getting absolutely clobbered. Um, the offensive line, the, the tight ends, the running backs did a fantastic job working on Miles Garrett this game. Um, he did seem to be a little bit banged up in the second half, but – that aside he's a phenomenal player and they more or less stifled his production today and a lot of that comes down to just they both the game plan by sean payton and the offensive team but also just the the game type situation there weren't a lot of the third and 25s apart from the one third and 25 situations where you know you're going to be having to throw the ball and miles garrett knows you're going to be throwing the ball um and even when they do Um, you know, the, they were, there's a lot of the underneath passes that that the Broncos have been making their bread and butter.
0: Yeah. And I I thought they mixed some of that physicality. Like they, they were, I think, looking forward to this challenge, right? Like the Browns came in, uh, they're widely regarded as one of the most physical teams in the league because they just continue running the football at you time and time again. They get after you defensively from all angles. They just play this really sort of, physical, tough brand of football. And, and I think the Broncos were eager to show that's the kind of team that they are building both roster construction wise, but also sort of their their ethos, foundationally who they want to be. And, and you saw that like Denver was blowing Cleveland off the ball, uh, particularly early. There was a drive in the second quarter in which Denver scored the touchdown on, on Russell Wilson's two yard touchdown run, put Denver up 14 to zero during that drive. Three different players had a rush of at least 15 yards. Samaj P. Ryan, who looked fresh and just, you know, I, I, I told somebody in the press box, like, Spry, you're starting to think that maybe Sean Payton's limiting of his carries at, at a certain point this year is in, intentional in terms of wanting to have this guy fresh because he looked awesome. You know, Javante Williams had a big run um, on, on that drive, and then Russell Wilson on a, you know, keeping the ball in the zone. Reed goes for 19 yards, really kind of propelled that drive into the end zone as well. So th- that was on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, you know, the br- the Browns had one drive where I think they had four rushes of at least seven yards. It was the one time they kind of seemed like they had it going, doing what they wanted to on the ground. But taking that away, th- th- there was really, I think, um, a-, a pretty complete uh, and wholesale effort on that defensive side, stopping the run. And and this defensive line, I came away watching this game live. And, and of course, we'll go back and kind of look at some of the tape of it. But DJ Jones was, was a wrecking ball today. Um, you know, he had the big turnover, but he had the fumble because he reads this, this reverse that Cleveland runs. Um, you know, here's this 320 pound guy, like dancing into the backfield. And, and I think Elijah Moore, the wide receiver kind of fumbles that pitch cause he's, he's looking at, Oh my God, this, <laughs> this 300, I, I got to get around this guy who's made it back here. Um, and he kind of loses the ball in that, and DJ Jones is there to pick it up. But Mike Purcell had a fumble recovery. He also had a key pass deflection in the red zone that helped the Broncos get off the field, uh, holding Cleveland to a field goal. Uh, Zach Allen, again, we talked a, bit, a little bit last week, Matt, about how he has come on after, after about week four this year and has looked every bit like the guy, the disruptive presence they thought he would be in free agency. Um, you know, he had the cherry on top of the Sunday uh, safety in the fourth quarter sack of PJ Walker. But um, I thought that he was, you know, phenomenal throughout They they have had that going. And so they, we hear, we talk about all the time about, you know, football being built in the trenches and key to this five game revival is, is those two sides of the football guys are just winning that they were relishing the fact that this was going to be a game full of one-on-one matchups and by and large, Matt, I, I thought the Broncos kind of won most of theirs today.
1: Yeah, I mean, another guy defensively, Nick Bonito, like towards the end of that game when it was the Browns who were in those obvious passing situations looked like a terror coming off of the edge as well. Like he was he was creating a whole lot of, of havoc in that backfield. Um, I did want to touch on something you were talking about, though, with the offense, with that with that read kind of that read option pat play down kind of along that goal line of that before Russell Wilson's touchdown I think that that kind of to me really kind of showed what Denver their offense was was kind of thinking coming into this game because the first couple pl- drives of the game you had guys like Miles Garrett and both defensive ends just absolutely smashing down on those ends the running lanes in the middle of the field were not open um they weren't like they you know there was just a lot of con- or, A lot of meeting of big bodies in the middle of the line. It's just not a lot of running room there. And then you see three plays out of four down near the goal line are read options where Russell Wilson just watches Miles Garrett crash down on the running back and then just scampers for 20 yards down the left side. They really they started to freeze that often that outside linebacker and those, those defensive ends to really slow down the inside or the outside rush. And that was when that inside trap game started really working where they were pulling the guard, each guard and just making some amazing blocks and opening up some of those big gashing runs that you saw through the middle. Um, I agree. Samaj P. Ryan, you mentioned it earlier in the week that he was kind of in line to start taking over some of the Jaleel uh, McLaughlin carries. And you were right. He absolutely did. He had, yeah, carried him by quite a bit today, and he, he averaged what? What was it like? Seven yards a carry on his on his rushes today. Seven carries I mean, for fifty five yards.
0: He had seven point nine yards per carry. Fifty five carries. He had carried it seven times. Jaleel McLaughlin just two um, today. And I, and I, yeah, like I said, I think that's something we'll probably see more going forward.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was that. I think though the and the the one run around the outside, it looked like Russell Wilson checked into that that keeper call, but it was definitely something. He's like, "Yeah, let's go with pizza." We we talked about pizza. Let's go with pizza, and then he makes the call, and suddenly you know twenty yards, he's got. Uh, burton and out in front of him lead blocking like i think like the funny thing i don't know if you could hear the broadcast the he takes like he like takes two steps outside and he's like he's gone like <laughs> <laughs> calm down there killer he's got he's he's russell wilson's age like come on now like maybe maybe 10 years ago he was gone for a touchdown this time you know we'll take the 20 yards and then he gets in the end zone a few plays later but um you know i i thought that some of that where like they were starting to like the defensive line for the, the the Browns loves to be super aggressive. And they took advantage of that early and then took advantage of kind of setting them back on their heels a little bit and really opened up their run game.
0: Yeah. You, you talk, you know, you, you always hear coaches talk a lot about unscouted looks that they, they want to sort of be able to produce those on, on a week to week basis. And to your point, Matt, we, we've seen a couple sprinkled throughout the season um, but it certainly has not been a staple of Denver's offense is having Russell Wilson pull the ball down in those scenarios. And a couple times he, he did that. You mentioned that the big second quarter drive, it was three plays out of four where he kind of kept the ball, including the touchdown run that put him up 14 to zero. Um, yeah, it, it was just another one of those things where they saw that sort of ends crashing stuff on tape. Uh, quite a bit in the preparation for this game and, and saw that as a, as a, as a, something that they could exploit. And, you know, when you win five games in a row in the NFL, it, it, I, I wrote this in my story. I give the Broncos credit, like at one in five, you really didn't hear really even mummerings about like sort of dissatisfaction with the way that things were going in and, ter- and by that, I mean, there was not a lot of, there's not a lot of finger pointing going on in that locker room, um, you know, certainly not on the record, but even even off, like when you would when you would talk to guys kind of, you know, privately to the side, whatever the case was, it, it, w- it was a lot of this like it, I, it it's, this has been a, a bad start. We're, we're not playing good ball, but it's six weeks into a wholesale change. And, and they they really did believe that and, and, and show that with the way that they kind of kept coming to work. Um, but now on the flip side, you win five games in a row and man, there's so much like love and credit being dished around everywhere. But one of the common threads that I kept hearing in this locker room tonight was, I think players have been like really appreciative, really impressed by whatever, whatever way you want to say it, the, the preparation that has gone into these game plans. By this coaching staff, this is one of the things Sean Payton, throughout his career, has been known for. Right, the the stay up by quite literally burning candle to find some of these plays that that you can you know that you can exploit a look that you are going to get at some point in these games, and and I think that those runs are a pretty good example of that. And um, and I think players have just been like really, it, it's kind of freeing knowing that you are going to come in there. You're going to get told exactly what to do. You're going to get told exactly what to expect. And then Sunday it's going to come and you're going to see it. And that's just given a lot of freedom to like, let go of a lot of stuff and just say, Hey, whatever, whatever they tell me, even if, even if they're going to crawl into my ass, you know, this day or the next day, like I know what this is going to lead to on Sunday. And that, that is the kind of stuff that just starts to build on itself. Like you're not doubting what you're hearing because you're starting to see the results. And I, and I just think it's interesting that that's, that was one of the things that Sean Payton said from the beginning of this year was like, you know, confidence comes from demonstrated ability. And I think players are, are, are sensing that. And to their credit, just, just fully buying in. I What I see with this team is just a a level of confidence in what they're doing that has not existed since I've been covering this team, um, you know, all the way back to like 2017. There is just, I think, a wholesale buy-in to what they are doing. And and that's that's how you win five games in a row.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, it definitely bodes well for them down the stretch here, for sure. And I mean, we spent a lot of the offseason kind of talking about, obviously, the changes that were coming, but, you know, we we har- kind of harped on the fact that this is a complicated offense. Um, the the looks that you get in this offense from week to week are, you don't run the same kinds of things every week. It's not an offense where you learn the base plays in week one, and then you, you've seen everything the offense is going to do to week 17. There's a lot of wrinkles. There's a lot of kinds of things like we saw with the Browns, like figuring out what are the weak what does this team do well, what do they do poorly, then minimizing your your shortcomings and maximizing the kinds of things that you can do well against that defense. So that with that comes the fact that there's added complexity in the in the week to week play calling. But as we see this team really kind of settle down and start to show a mastery of this offense, you know, that it hasn't always been pretty even in the victories. They've relied on a lot more turnovers than you can hope to have Every week. Um, but I mean, even today, like a couple of the first two couple turnovers were things where it's like fourth down and they held them anyway. Yeah. So the turnover yeah, was- wasn't necessarily as big of a deal. The mm-hmm. the late the late uh, fumble uh, that tur- they turned into seven points was definitely impactful. Um, but the other ones kind of were a smaller portion of what was hap- already kind of the flow of the game. So this one, de- like you were saying earlier, definitely felt like a much more complete game from this team. Uh, Both sides of the ball played very well throughout, and you know, looking down the stretch of the season, you suddenly you're looking at these games like that looks winnable, that looks winnable Texans. That yeah, we can beat them. Chargers. Oh yeah, we can beat them twice. You know, suddenly the optimism with this team doesn't seem as outlandish as it might have. You know, listening to Russell, but the, listening to Russell Wilson now saying pretty much the exact same things he was saying when they were one and five <laughs> sounds much less outlandish than it did 45 days ago. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess we are starting to believe a little bit more in the, the potential of this team and watching them show it week in and week out has been fun.
0: Yeah, it has. And uh, that is, I think, the thing about this that, that has continued to strike me is is just the level of level of confidence confidence gained like they were obviously excited to win to win another huge game an AFC game which we'll we'll talk about kind of what that means but um it was sort of a you know kind of a business as usual um vibe in, in the locker room like none of this to them at this point is is surprising because of you know the the, the confidence that they've built um you know you got to say too this this team has as as you watched player after player go down on the Browns. The fact that they're already playing without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson. I mean, with respect to Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's the worst quarterback outside of maybe Mac Jones that they'll play for the rest of the season. If that's even who New England is starting by the time uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Eve arrives, Uh, Bailey's happy or, you know, Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders. I mean, this, the, the, the Browns offensively are, are not very good. Um, and, and, and so that that's something to, to keep in mind. C.J. Stroud is going to be a whole new test. But again, I think that just kind of goes back to, you know, th- this game planning, this preparation, this this idea that they're going to find answers. I, I would expect that this week, Russell Wilson, you know, if he needs to, they'll, they'll go out and throw the ball a lot more. He'll he'll throw for over 250 yards if that's what it requires. Um, they've just kind of found a way to do that and to win. And that's what they're going to have to keep continue to do because let's set the playoff picture now Matt the Broncos moving into uh, six and five which they did with this win streak as we said at the top um, again are now ninth in the AFC playoff picture it's of course four division winners and three wildcard teams that make the playoffs with only the number one seed now in the NFL playoffs getting a bye Um, so the Broncos are tied with the Indianapolis Colts in the in the record category uh, at 6 and 5 for that 7th playoff spot. Indy if the playoffs started today would be in. Houston and Denver, the two teams tied with them record-wise would be out because they lose tiebreakers in AFC conference record. So that's where the Broncos have to continue to gain ground. Luckily for them, of their 6 remaining games, 5 are against AFC opponents beginning with Sunday's game against the Houston Texans, who lost in a heartbreaker to the Jaguars, to fall to six and five. So again, we we've been saying this every week with this winning streak because it's true. This is another just massive game playoff implications wise. Um, if if the Broncos can win that and get to seven and five, they would then have a head to head tiebreaker against the Texans, against the Browns, and against the Bills. Three teams who they figure to be fighting um, for one of these last couple spots in the playoff field. Um, so that is what we continue to, to, to watch for Having that head to head is the biggest Trump card you can have. Number two is, is of course that conference record, the Broncos, Matt, uh, three and four is what we said when we glanced at it. They're three.
1: Yep. They're currently three and four. Indianapolis is a full game ahead of them at four and three while Houston is three and four. So the implications of this, um, Game between Denver and Houston coming up is absolutely huge. And then we kind of took a, a look, a quick gander, we'll say, at some of the schedules for the other teams. Uh, Indianapolis plays Houston uh, later this year. Um, Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh, probably looking pretty good. They're five and three in conference. They ha- they play the Cardinals next week, which is probably about the best. Besides maybe the Panthers, probably your favorite team. You'd be getting ready to play. Um, you know they haven't. Yeah, they're Patriots scheduled. Yeah, they play the Patriots later this 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 season, so their schedule looks like unless things fall apart, they had 400 yards of offense today for the first time in like two and a half years. Um, so you know the new look under no more Matt Canada, exactly. Now they ditch Matt Canada and suddenly their offense works. Don't um, so that don't that don't doesn't make much sense to me, but I guess we'll see how they look in the coming weeks. So. I think those teams that you're really looking at trying to jump on the in that playoff hunt are probably the Cleveland Browns, who are a game ahead, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston Texans, which make the Houston Texans game next week the most important remaining game on your schedule and one that you really need to win. Um, if you want the rest of this playoff potential or playoff streak to, um, to kind of fall That's in line with you,
0: yeah, it's to come to actual fruition. I, I think we've said all along, um, you know, a safe. There is there's no super safe bet. I mean the the best way that they can make the playoffs is to turn this five game winning streak into an eleven game winning streak by winning yeah. their final six. Twelve and um, five
1: feels pretty safe.
0: Twelve and five feels pretty safe, and <laughs> hey, who knows, you know? Um, you know, yeah, then division we're talking winner
1: about, at twelve and five.
0: I mean, yeah, then we're talking about winning the AFC West and and whatnot. Um but but I think it, it like realistically what it's saying is if you if you can get to ten and seven that's not going to guarantee that you'll be in the playoffs. But I think there's a that's that's probably a a, a target that you can say we feel pretty good about our chances. You, you probably still have to have a little bit of help in that scenario. But that's most years when you're trying to climb into a playoff field. Right. Those um, three
1: head-to-head tiebreakers, if they beat the Texans at ten and seven, would probably be enough to push them into the playoffs.
0: You're right, because then you're talking about. So even if they don't catch the Steelers, who are seven and four, and as we outlined, ha- have a, have an easier schedule than than I think a lot of those teams. Um, so even if, if you have the Steelers at seven and four currently, they're maybe the you know the the fifth seed, and then a, a, you have a sixth seed like you know if the Colts who have a relatively easy schedule keep winning, um, then you're just you're you're, you're talking head to head over Houston, Cleveland, and Buffalo. Uh, who felt to Philadelphia to fall to six and six as they go into their bye week? Um, yeah, having those in hand would be huge because then if you tie any of those teams, um, you get that spot over them. Um, and and yeah, this so this is they're all going to be big going down the road. But but I, I I agree with you, Matt. I think none will be bigger than than this, um, and we'll have a whole new there'll be a whole new kind of game plan for it. Um, Houston is a team that has been. Dynamic offensively, Um, really, really C.J. Stroud is he's obviously the runaway offensive rookie of the year, but he could very well be sort of in this MVP discussion the way that he has played. He had another great game today, save for the fact that he took a couple sacks on a final drive that, um, you know, resulted in a missed field goal for Houston. Uh, But but he has been electric tank Dell. Um, The speedy wide receiver has just been a, a headache for defensive coordinators uh, really the last month or so of the season. Um, you know, they can run the ball well and, and then defensively they got some really athletic playmakers. So it's going to be, uh, another huge challenge for Denver, but man, it's, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It's, it's intriguing that, um, you know, what we were talking about at one and five is just completely flipped and, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun December.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, I I got to throw in one one last uh, shout out to PJ or to um, PJ Lock. The yeah. that I think what, coming into this game was one of the biggest concerns. No Kareem Jackson for the next four games. Locke was highly questionable to play. Um, it was a legitimate game time decision. It sounds like coming from Sean Payton. Um, Payton said he wasn't going to play him if he was a hundred percent. I'll I'll assume he was close-ish to a hundred percent. I know that if I'm sure that he really wanted to play. So what, What you know, if, whether he was actually at hundred percent or not, the guy came out, he balled, he had, a, he picked up a big, a big defensive penalty early on, which kind of um, could hurt them a little bit on that drive, but kind of that mindset that, you know, you asked Peyton about in the, in the interview about that next play moving on, you know, that final play or final, one of those final drives, he had a big knock or a big pass deflection. And then the next play strip sack, strip, you know, strip fumble sack, uh, the quarterback. So dude balled his, his mind out today, played well, and uh, looking forward to seeing him in the lineup the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. You know, that, that, that was huge. It was the thing that we were kind of following um, all week and it started on the first drive. He had a, he had a really great tackle out in space um, on on second and long and then on third down um, had the coverage that helped uh, force an incompletion by um, DTR there uh, you're right, Matt. He he was he was big. I, I think another guy I'd give a game ball to is once again Cortland Sutton. I, I mean he drew a he drew a defensive pass interference penalty. This was I, I, an unsung huge play in the game. Broncos are third and ten on their first possession. They're about to punt it away from their own twenty five. Give the ball right back to Cleveland after their defense had forced a three and out. And you know Browns bring everybody. Uh, court, uh, where Russell Wilson sees the one on one coverage on the outside. Throws it up for. For Cortland Sutton, who who draws the 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 defensive pass interference penalty, the Broncos end up going down from there and scoring a touchdown on Samaje Perine's three yard run. His his first rushing touchdown, his first touchdown of the season. Um, so yeah, and and then so Sutton that that play doesn't show up in the in the scorebook. Neither does his um, his unbelievable acrobatic catch down the right sideline to begin the second half, um, in which he's called for for the OPI for kind of slightly shoving off Newsome. Peyton didn't
1: seem completely convinced that was OPI. I don't
0: know. I don't know that any very, head
1: coach ever agrees with an OPI call. He,
0: but uh... he was being very diplomatic. He, he kind of put it as just like, you know, we will. Um, uh, Could have been, been a catch. The other one. We'll, we'll credit him with a catch uh, because it was incredible. Uh, but then the, third, the, the Broncos had a third and one from midfield. Uh, about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were up 24 to 12. So the game was already pretty comfortably in hand. Um, but instead of just, you know, kind of rushing up the middle, doing one of these Russell Wilson sneaks over Quinn Miners that have, it's not quite tush push successful, but it's been been a, a pretty big weapon for Denver in their short yarded situations. Um, instead, Sean Payton dials up the, the deep shot for, for Cortland Sutton. They, they, they strike it perfectly, 25 yard gain. And that, you know, game's over at that point. Mike McGlinchey said he he liked the the jewels it took from for Sean Payton to to make that call. I don't I don't know how high stakes it was, but um nonetheless Yeah, especially
1: Cortland, especially not if you're gonna go for it on fourth down. I think yeah. there's a really good chance that they were at around midfield. There's a good chance they go for it on fourth there with the, yeah, with the touch the way push that they kind were, of thing.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. But n- nonetheless, three catches, sixty one yards for Cortland Sutton, and then uh, of course drawing the huge penalty uh on the first drive that I I think really was a, was a kind of a low key, huge, huge play in this game. Um, You know, just another great game for him. He almost had another, was it right before the Troutman catch that he had his near catch in the back of the end zone? Or was that on the earlier?
1: Yeah, that was on first down before the third down. Yeah. Where he got the feet down, but forgot to come down with the ball.
0: Right. Yeah. It's one of those ones where he's like, (laughs) he's gotten so good at um, you know, at, at getting those toes down. We see him, um we see him do it um continuously. Um right. But that, if, that...
1: after after two games in a row with breathtaking sideline end zone touchdowns, you know, you miss one. We'll we'll give you the break this week, Cortland, but we expect better going forward, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, real real slacker. <laughs> it did break a streak for him of um of uh five straight games with a touchdown catch, but um that did not keep him from from being impactful. I, I thought again, that, that offensive line played just really, really well all across the board. You know, Garrett, they're, they're giving Garrett Bowles a lot of love for, you know, kind of holding down Garrett who did, did get, uh, is due to have an MRI had a shoulder injury in this game. Um, but, but nonetheless, they handled him really well. I thought, um, early in the game, there's some plays where he stunted inside and, and Ben Powers did a good job holding his own, uh, against Miles Garrett too, which is, which is no easy task. Um, Matt, any, any kind of final takeaways as we uh, as we sign off tonight?
1: Just, I do think, like, to close on your point about Miles Garrett, I think that's probably one of the most important stat lines from the day. Garrett had one tackle, one pass deflected, no sacks. Yep. Um, and that's uh, – if if you had told us that coming into this game, that Miles Garrett was going to have one tackle and one pass deflect and nothing else on the stat line, we'd be pretty confident that Denver Broncos yeah. were winning this game.
0: Yeah, especially if you if you said that the Broncos were also going to win the time of possession battle. Um, they were going to outrush the Browns. They were going to win the turnover margin. The Browns had not lost all three of those categories in a game all season, and only one other time had they lost both rush yards and time of possession battle, and that was actually in a narrow win against the Colts. So what the, what the Broncos did to the Browns today, just teams don't do, um, and, and yet the Broncos were able to do that and, and kind of do it quite comfortably. And, and that I think is the, the biggest, the biggest positive, the biggest takeaway was this, this game felt a little bit different. It, it felt like the Broncos aren't, 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 aren't riding this magic carpet ride of, uh, of pixie dust doing what they're doing. They're, they're a tough physical football team. They have created an identity. They're prepared, they're efficient. Um, and, and then they, then they relish relish the contact, uh, relish playing in these kind of games. Um, you know, Sean Payton said, this was a game you could hear, um, you know, which I thought was a great way to describe the physicality. And sure enough, the Broncos come out impressively 29 to 12 to move to six and five, certainly in the thick of the playoff race. Uh, that'll do it for us tonight. We appreciate you guys joining us here at the not another bucking podcast. We will be back midweek uh, with an episode to to really break down this big challenge against Houston, which is going to be kind of you know one of the one of the games of the week in the NFL. It got moved into an early early time slot, so it'll be an eleven a.m. kick uh, Mountain Time for for everybody. So uh, you know, make sure you keep your Saturday night plans a little maybe a little tamer. Get ready to get up uh, at eleven o'clock for that game on on Sunday. Can't wait for that, Matt. Thanks, um, and thank you all. We'll be back again. Until then, thanks for listening.